0: Okay, Power Rangers, let's do it! Go, go, Power Rangers! Go, Sentai, Dai Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode thirteen of Live and Let Die Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Gosei Sentai Die Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and share our thoughts with you our listeners. My name is Matt Jay and with me as always is my co-host and brother, back by popular demand, Dave. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Come back anytime. <laughs> I, or, I mean I will. every time. I plan please. To. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise we're going to run into some format issues. <laughs> Uh, so today, we are watching episode 13 of dire Ranger. It is called the Kakabuki Novice. Uh, but before we do that, Dave, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. What is our first star of the week? Uh, my first star of the week, Matt, is that I just got the rights sorted out for my school's spring show. Uh, we are performing Agatha Christie's The Mousetrap. And oh, that's fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm really excited about it. It's kind of like a... Really, a, uh, what I'm most concerned about at this point is just doing it justice. It's kind of a legendary show. It has been running... I don't know if you know this. I'm actually going to assume that you don't know this. Is that it is the longest-running show of all time. Really? Yeah, the longest continually-running show of all time. It uh, debuted in 1954 in London's okay. West End, and it has not stopped playing in that theater ever. Really? Yeah, it is still playing. <laughs> wow. And, uh, you were right to assume that I did not know that. Yeah, and extra fun fact, the, uh, the guy who, one of the leads, was originally played by uh, Sir David, not Sir David, sorry, uh, Richard, Richard Attenborough. Oh, of um, documentary voiceover fame. No, no, no. That is uh, David Attenborough of Nature doc. They are brothers. Um, Richard Attenborough of Jurassic Park fame. He is... He plays... That is his most famous sort of like American oh, movie role. Oh, that guy. Yeah. John Hammond. Yes, John Hammond. I couldn't remember the character's name, but yeah, John Hammond. That's Richard Attenborough. And he and David Attenborough are brothers. Oh, no way. I did not know that. No, yeah. I, I did not know any of those things. Yeah, he and David Attenborough are brothers and they are like related, I think, in some way to uh the Fiends family. Like Ray Fiend's, uh the actors. I okay. think they are like some sort of relations. I know that they're all like they're like peers of the realm. I'm I don't know exactly like what their status is, but they are all sort of like aristocratic. Like the upper echelon yeah, class wise like... of actors.
1: I no, 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 say no. class wise,
0: I mean like actual, like like aristocracy classes, am oh, I yes. getting this wrong? Yeah, yeah no, no, that no, yeah, is. I thought you meant like like they're really upper class actors, like they're really great guys. And I'm like, No, 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 they are fantastic actors. But... No, no, I'm just referring to an actual class system. Yeah, no yes, that is correct. Like they're not like dukes or anything, but they are like some sort of like a baronet or something, I don't exactly okay, know. Okay, so they're not Dukes, but they're closer to Dukes than you or I are. Oh, yeah, way closer. At least by virtue of being British. So, now, you said you got the rights worked out. And um, this is another thing I don't know anything about. What does that mean? Do you not oh. just decide to do a play? Oh, no. I'm sorry no. if this is, like, no, no, no. silly um, thing 101. no. Okay, so some plays are in what's called like uh public domain. So yes. you can just you can just sort of perform them and it doesn't matter. So like anything by like Shakespeare or like um Moliere, you know, they don't have any surviving. There's no like a state there that still controls the rights to those things. But more modern shows, uh, you know, somebody still owns the rights to them even if the playwright is Like, even if the playwright is dead, as is the case with, like, Agatha Christie. There's a lot of, like, and there's a lot of, like, other little things. So, like, for example, like, the mousetrap stipulates, like, you have to, like, you are contractually obligated to say, like, in your program, like, the mousetrap is presented by special arrangement with Samuel French Incorporated, blah, 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 blah. Like, on all of your advertisements, it has to say, Agatha Christie's the mousetrap. Huh. Yeah. My principal did. She was a little upset with me. She's like... Dave, why do all of your shows have murders in them? (laughs) Like, they're always just like, all your shows have, you know, somebody's getting murdered or dying because we're doing like the Oristia in class. And then like the one acts last year was like, there was one that was like about a serial, not a serial killer, but like a weird, creepy killer. An occasional killer. An occasional killer. Uh, And I was like, because that's the good, I don't know if you know this, Matt. Um, There are shows that are written specifically for high school. And they're like, I'm not going to say terrible, 100% awful, but if it's a very small number of them that are not like total crap. You know, if you look at a catalog, it'll be like 60 plays written in the last two years by like one guy. And yeah, they're just, they're really, really bad. So, um, you know, it's sort of a struggle to find a show that is like cool to do in high school, but is also not like designed for high school students. Because they're just, they're awful. Like, they're just really, I can't overstate it <laughs> how bad they are. So, yeah, that's my first star, man. We're going to do the show. It's going to be rad. I've been talking with our set designer. Um, I'm just really, I'm really excited about it. Okay. Okay, Matt. Uh, that was my first star. What is star number two? Star number two, Dave, is literally the only thing that I did yesterday. Um, I woke up. I uh, <laughs> I, heard I brushed my teeth. Be good. I ordered some pizzas and I started playing Tomb Raider. Okay. And then at three o'clock in the morning, I went to bed, and that was my wow. day. Did you Did you beat it? No, I got really close. I wow. They, the reason I was playing until three in the morning is because there's like three parts of that game that all seem like they're the end of the game. Oh, okay. And so I would get through that part, and the game wouldn't end, and I would say, okay, well, it must be coming up, like, right now. Surely. Like, there's got to be another two scenes and then the climax. But no. Surely. No, I'm it's not. done. It is not at all. It just keeps going, which is great, because it's a really fun game. <laughs> we had, um, did I ever tell you about our friend, you remember Danny, our old friend Danny? Um... He liked to write music, I don't know if you remember this, and he had this idea that he was going to write a piece of music, and the entire piece of music would just be like ending fanfares, and so as soon as it started, it would be like, bum 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 bum, and then it would just go into another like ending style fanfare, and then it would just be that for like 20 minutes. That sounds... um... (laughs) <laughs> it sounds like a lot like Tomb Raider is what it sounds like. Yeah, except that Tomb Raider is fun, and that sounds like torture. That. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Matt. There is uh, my cat is on my table, which she shouldn't be. But I had like a glass of milk before we started recording, and she is like putting her tiny paw down into the bottom to get like the last dregs of milk, and then like licking them off of her paw. It's super adorable. That is adorable. Uh, sorry, back to Tomb Raider. Back to Tomb Raider. Oh yeah, so it's just really good. It's um... have you ever played or seen video of Uncharted? I've uh, I've watched video of it. I've never played it myself. Okay, this plays a lot like Uncharted. Okay. Rad. Um cuz I mean, Uncharted I hear amazing was things about it. But it's yeah, a un... PlayStation. I don't have a PlayStation. Yeah, that was a PlayStation exclusive. Uncharted was basically like a version of Tomb Raider that starred a guy and was sort of like mechanically a lot better. Oh, Okay. Um Because, as I was saying, like, early Tomb Raider mechanics, I don't know how they were sort of from the PS1 days until now, how they progressed. I imagine they probably got better. But they were, you know, they were a 3D platformer on the PS1. They weren't great. Yeah, I mean, there's only... I'm sure they gave it the old college try. There's only so much you can do, you know? So, uh, but this is tons of fun. It's really, really good. Um, And it has basically consumed my entire weekend. I don't have a lot more to say about it without sort of... Going into details about a video game that some people might not have played, uh, which would be either boring or a spoiler. So I'll just leave it at that. that, But that would be the case. uh, But that has been my weekend. Oh well, I mean, I'm I'm glad you're having a nice weekend. That's cool. Yeah. So um, that is star two, Dave. What is the third star of the week? Third star of the week, Matt. Uh, What is the third star of the week? Oh, Um, oh, I remember what it is. It is uh, eggnog, eggnog, and I suppose in a In a general sort of way, the Christmas season particularly, but um, I made for a holiday party that some friends of ours hosted the other night, some eggnog. But when I say eggnog, Matt, I don't want you to think that I just bought like a gallon of eggnog or a half gallon of eggnog, which is, it's good stuff. Don't get me wrong. Like I love that. But no, this was like homemade from scratch. Uh, you know, start 24 hours ahead of time, 25% like <laughs> proof, 20, no, proof <laughs> 25% alcohol by volume, uh, like hardcore eggnog. And I've made it before. I make it pretty frequently for Christmas. This is like a, one of Beth's family's holiday tradition is eggnog. Okay. I but, think I've had your eggnog before and it is uh, both delicious and dangerous. Yeah. Yeah, it is not a drink to be trifled with. Guys, I don't want you to think that I am like a brilliant, like, auteur of eggnog. I am just using, I'm just using the Joy of Cooking recipe. You do not have some sort of weird arcane mastery of the nog. Yeah, <laughs> right. I do not. No, have, I mean, like, generally speaking, if you have access to the Joy of Cooking, and you want to know how to do something, you're in... I mean, just look at it. It's in there. Yeah, you're in pretty good shape. But yeah, man, eggnog. It's like a dozen eggs and sugar and uh, like half and half and then just like a whole bunch of liquor. I, I will say, if you're going to look up the Joy of Cooking recipe, it says to use uh, rum or brandy or whiskey. I personally recommend going... Whiskey? No, no, no. You would think that, knowing me. But my recommendation is actually a blend that you do a third rum a third brandy, and a third specifically rye whiskey. So dark rum, but not spiced rum. Don't get spiced rum. Like dark rum, brandy, and then rye whiskey. Mix those three in equal measure to like get your alcohol. And that's what you should use for eggnog. That's my, that's what I do. All right, really well. you heard it here first. Oh, and ignore the peach brandy that they say to put in. Enjoy cooking. That's super gross. Yeah, that's terrible sounding. Yeah, it, Yeah, don't do that um so that's that's star number three man is okay uh, before we move on from that or do you have any have you done your uh christmas decorating yet no no i haven't uh we've been really busy and beth is usually the one who sort of leads the charge on that's not true there is a little bit um we're traveling this year for christmas and so we oh, did That's right yeah we didn't get like a like a tree tree because normally of course we have like a, a christmas tree and i am a big as you know of course a big proponent of live trees Sure. Um, did we actually at one point stage like a minor protest during Christmas because mom tried to use a fake tree? We did do that. Yeah, we did. I don't know what we did. Like we did like a sit-in or something. We may have made I, signs. I forget. <laughs> I but forget. There was, but it was there was definitely the, like there human was a movement. Uh, but no, we do have what we did instead is we just got like uh, like little tiny trees and those are decorated and those are up now. Okay, well, getting, that's nice. You know, kind of getting into the vibe of Christmas. I'm excited about it. It's I am still too. It's still weirdly, weirdly for this time of the year. It is still clear and currently sunny in beautiful Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. It's weird. We had a we had a really heavy snow for like a week in November, and now we nothing. are a week into December and nothing. Yeah, absolutely nothing. Absolutely, it's really strange. Um, but yeah. So Christmas is coming. Uh, the goose is getting fat, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So uh, star number four. Matt. Star number four, Dave, uh last week, I think actually right after we finished recording uh episode twelve, I put on my walking shoes and went down to a local bar that does uh stand up comedy shows. Nice. Um I think I've mentioned it before in one of the early episodes where I'd gone to an open mic or two. But oh, this yeah, this was the one where the, the mom and mom and son yes. team Oh yeah same bar. Same bar. Were but they back? That... No cuz uh, before that Dang. was the open mic show and this was the Saturday night show um which is like a 10 dollar ticket or something and they actually have you know like Oh this is like it's like a show show this, this is, is like a, a show on. show okay and sometimes it's lo- like a few local people are on the show and then a few sort of regional people but then um not irregularly they managed to bring in some pretty big names and this weekend or last weekend I guess it was uh Dave Hill and mike lawrence who are both super funny guys um, that's right i actually i don't know who those i feel bad maybe i don't know who those are but i'm glad that they're cool dave hill is actually from cleveland although he lives in new york now um and i think he was home for thanksgiving because it was a few days after thanksgiving that i went to the show <laughs> right on. um just got on a quick show yeah, nice. and I, no, I think actually, uh, Mike Lawrence said in his show that his wife is from Cleveland, and so they were both just in town for Thanksgiving. <laughs> <And> <laughs> that's like, really yeah, cool. Let's get in the show. No, that's great, man. Um, so tell me about the show. What was like? What was going it on? It was just really funny. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I can't really get into. You know, I'm not going to like do their bits or anything, but um, well, yeah, they are both funny enough and big enough names that I would have paid. 10 bucks or more to see either of them by themselves. And so the fact that I managed to get both of them on the same show walking distance from my house on yeah. um, like a random Saturday was, it was really, it was just a fantastic time. Uh, okay. So our fifth star, Dave, what is it? Fifth star, Matt. Uh, it's sort of like a meta star, an overstar, one might an say. An uber star. An uber star. Um, comic book movies in general. This was spurred to discussion because um this will have already been like a week or two old by the time people are hearing this. But uh Benedict Cumberbatch was just cast as Doctor Strange officially, like officially officially. Yeah, I remember there had been some rumblings about that a few weeks ago, but nothing nothing yeah. really nailed down. But the word is the word is out. It is uh you know, Benedict, British name, um and he is, uh, and he is playing Doctor Strange. But then there's comic book movies, sort of in general. There's a yeah, lot it's of been stuff a happening. big week or two for comic book casting news stuff. Yeah, uh, they dropped the cast for Suicide Squad, which I'm still surprised is getting made. Yeah, I am also a little like every time I hear about that movie, I it just feels like a weird. Thing that, like, a bunch of fans got together and dreamed into existence. <laughs> just positive actualization. But, like, fans who had only sort of heard about the Suicide Squad. Because, like... Isn't, the, like, the Joker's in there or something, right? Yeah, Jared Leto is playing the Joker, which just seems like something you would see, like, a bad Photoshop of on Tumblr. But yeah. it's an actual thing that is really happening in an actual movie like not to get down on jared leto or anything but yeah i just the joker and the suicide squad it's a little bit weird my hope is that he is only there to explain like who harley quinn is and he shows and then, up in like one scene and then, and then goes he goes back out. to gotham to like poison people with fish <laughs> right. no, that, and we that don't see, see him it. again until a batman movie no that would be fantastic um yeah, man, but Benedict Cumberbatch is playing Doctor Strange. I, okay, I have one sort of like mild concern. Oh, I, I, ha- love... I have like four mild concerns, but go well, ahead. Well, okay. I'm trying Which to turn I'm not going to get back. into because I try to keep positive. But, right. Because, dude, I love the batch. Love him. Huge fan. Oh, sure. Um, my only concern is that Doctor Strange is like an older, like a slightly older dude. Like, even when he starts, he's not like a young man. You know, I feel like it's fairly clear. Yeah, I mean, he was already a successful surgeon, so... Not just... Yeah, I mean, not just successful, but, like... Fates. You know, yeah, like, world-renowned. Like, oh, this is the guy. Like, gray hair. Need. Yeah, like, he starts off with gray hair. And so my only concern is that... And I think that's important to the character. You know what I mean? that this is not, like... That he's, he's already done this other thing, and now he's going to go be the Sorcerer Supreme... And so my only concern is that they're going to play him as a younger guy, which, you know, I mean, the movies have their own continuity, and I'm totally down with that. Uh, I just don't want to mess with it, like, too much. But overall, I'm very excited. I just can't even believe we're getting, we're getting a Doctor Strange movie, Matt. Dude, I, I mean, Doctor Strange is, like, one of my favorite. He's, like, top five for me. I never, I mean, never in a million years when I was a kid would I have... Predicted that we would get a Doctor Strange movie. So I really, I'm just being like the worst sort of nerd right now. You know, like Like they're finally giving me everything I asked for, but it is like one degree different than what I dreamed of 20 years ago. So it's (laughs) terrible. Yeah, I just. Yeah. That is precisely it, Matt. No, Doctor Strange has to be like a 35-year-old American jerk not like a 32 year old british jerk. What the heck? What the heck, Marvel? All I'm saying is if he doesn't have a mustache, I'm not going to see it. That's a lie. I'm going to see it. Mm, he better have a mustache though. Or a goatee. goatee, something. I would accept goatee. I would prefer mustache. Well, I mean, who wouldn't? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe Benedict Cumberbatch, who knows? I don't know how Benedict Cumberbatch would look with facial hair. He never you never see him with like any sort of facial hair. Uh, I looked it up on Google Image Search as soon as I heard that he was cast as Doctor Strange. And there are a few pictures of him with a mustache, but it's not... Uh, I've, there are no pictures of him with, like, the Doctor Strange, like, weird hybrid between a pencil mustache and a handlebar mustache. Okay. Uh, oh, so I'm yeah. not sure how that'll look. Uh, and actually looks none, a mustache. And certainly none with the mustache from Doctor Strange's first appearance, which... I don't know when this was the last time you looked at that, Dave. Uh, it has been a while. It <laughs> Just everyone who's listening, go online and try to find a picture of Doctor Strange's first appearance. Um, he doesn't have a cape. His eyes aren't even open. And they his eyes in that issue look like Steve Ditko didn't know if he wanted to make him, like, <laughs> Anglo or make him, like, an offensive oriental caricature and i say oriental because it's... either one is equally likely well i say oriental instead of asian because that is the sort of eye that it is it is the eye that you draw on someone that you describe as oriental if you are the sort of person who would describe someone as oriental that is the yeah yeah i got you no no i'm i'm there with you um but his mustache is crazy like it goes up and then it goes down like it has two separate hooks to it it's it is bonkers yeah that is a real yep that is a real crazy mustache love those gloves though love those gloves oh dude i mean i own a pair of fingerless leopard print gloves specifically (laughs) because of my love of dr strange and a costume i had one time no 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 i remember that hipster dr strange for a friend's uh party i'm literally wearing them right now (laughs) that makes it that makes it even better they're my house gloves, man. Everybody should wear a pair of fingerless gloves during the winter. No, I don't know makes... why it's not like a thing that everyone does. That makes sense. I mean, a I guess if you keep your heat on more, then you wouldn't do it, but... pshaw, sure. sure. Just wear a sweater. Like hand sweaters. <laughs> okay, right. anyway. Heat's not free. So, um, we're going to take a break. We're going to watch episode 13, The Kakabuki Novice. And when we get back, you are going to hear about it. Kaniya! Okay, welcome back. So we have just finished watching episode 13 of Gosei Sentai dire Ranger, and it was a doozy. Dave, why don't you yeah. hit us with a uh, synopsis, then we'll get into it. No sweat. It is, first, uh, you should know it is a cliffhanger episode, and it's a kabuki-themed monster. And it really is, dude, it's a good cliffhanger. Like, I'm really, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what happens next. Yeah, so, this, is, kind of it. this is one of the first episodes that we've seen sort of since they've managed to sort of set the table with all the characters and what they can do, and now everyone has their robots. And this episode really starts to actually push forward the story of the season. It oh, we aren't even... This is... Wow, okay. Well, because, you know, the last couple of episodes have been showcasing various characters, and before that, they were sort of setting them up with all their equipment. And now uh you'll see there's a new character introduced... Uh, we get a new set that we're gonna keep going back to. Um, it's a cliffhanger. We start to have to deal with some other things. So you will see the tenor of the show start to shift at this point into a more cohesive story. Oh, yeah. No, honestly, it did not occur to me. This, I'm sure, is ridiculous. It didn't occur to me that there was, that there was like a larger, cohesive story i really just assumed that it was sort of like a you know that there was sort of like a backstory but that it was kind of like a freak of the week and like monsters showed up and then they fought them and like you know this stuff was developing but i did not give it the credit i guess that i should have to assume that it was actually you know that there was this sort of large overarching storyline oh yeah dude I'm i'm sorry if i didn't quite explain that to you the great thing about the Sentai shows is that since they're all, you know, they're all a year long, so they have a uh-huh. year to tell one big story. And that story, you know, the the beats of it are always sort of the same, you know, five people fight a team yeah, of yeah, yeah, people that are evil and they send monsters and they fight the monsters every week. But it's not just a Freak of the Week show. And this is where we start to sort of break that format. And we will continue nice. to get Freak of the Week here and there um, pretty regularly, but... This is sort of when it starts to pick up a little bit more story wise. Cool, man. No, I'm looking forward to it. So, episode or uh, not episode, obviously. Uh, scene, scene one. We open on a bank. Yeah, we see outside of a bank. There's like a big Brinks truck or a, I whatever the, your Japanese sort of equivalent, yeah. whatever the local variant of an armored money transport truck is. Yeah, so there is, you know, the armored and truck, and there's guards, and they're transferring money, and then one of the guards kind of, out of nowhere, it seems, he kind of freaks out, and he says something like, I want money, I want money, and then he whips out like a, like a billy club, like an extendable baton, I just beats the snot out of all of the other guards, and just runs. Like he's got like an old timey like Snidely Whiplash style like sackful money. Yeah, he does uh, like a little think... dancey posy thing, and he's like, I love money, and then he just runs. Yeah, I, well, that is actually a piece of foreshadowing that uh, I didn't catch, but we'll we'll explain that in a minute because they explain it pretty quickly. But he just runs, and then we cut, and we see Ryu and Shoji, and guess what, Matt? Uh, what, Dave? Shoji, uh, is a bum. And I don't mean that in the sense that he's kind of a crummy guy. He is literally like following Ryu around, like begging money from him. He's yeah. He's like, Shoji or Ryu, I need like 10,000 yen. And I actually don't know how much money that is. It's like a hundred bucks, I think. He's like, I just need like 10,000 yen till next month, bro. Like, I'm totally good for it. Could you please spot me? You know what's funny is, as we were watching that, I remembered a scene from an earlier episode. Uh, do you remember it was when Iron Mask was in the show? I was just yeah, and know exactly the scene. And so talking about. it was. It might have even been the last time we saw it was just Shoji and Ryu together. And back then they were talking about money. Because <laughs> so Ryu was like, <laughs> yeah. "Hey man, I lent you money. Like I paid for your dinner and your coffee." Um, And And Shoji's like, no, I paid for my own coffee. And so I just get the impression from that and now from this, that Shoji is just constantly mooching off of the other rangers. (laughs) Well, he doesn't have a job. Like, everybody else, it's like, Ryu is a cook, and Rid is like a student, and she clearly has some sort of, like, stipend or something. And, you know, like, Kazu's a hairdresser, and Daigo works at the shop, and... Shoji is a boxer. And from what we've seen, like an unsuccessful boxer, it's not like he's winning fights and getting prize money. Yeah, he is not like a pro boxer. So he is literally like, he's just, he's like the little Mac, except he loses. He's just, he can't make it past Glass Joe. Like he just keeps losing money. Or uh, not money, he keeps losing fights. He doesn't make any money. So he's constantly bumming off his friends. (laughs) Which again is insane, because that suggests that either, like... All of the other boxers in Tokyo are stronger than Shoji and therefore like stronger than all of the monsters that he fights. <laughs> or it means that like Shoji, when he is not in his die ranger form is kind of useless, but we've seen that he isn't. Like he's a pretty good fighter. We see him fight the Kota Poderos. So know, now man, he, in uh... my head canon, like just the boxing circuit of Tokyo, the amateur boxing circuit is just Filled with deadly, deadly fighters. Well, maybe, like, if if Shoji's not, like, constrained by the rules of the squared circle, he's fine. You know what I mean? Like, if like in, in a street fight, Shoji's good. When he has to restrain himself to, like, legal boxing, you know, like, he can't use, like, gravity fist in, like, a league-sanctioned match. That's true. So, yeah, so Shoji's a But if he boxer, could, that's a league I want to watch. I... Yeah, absolutely. Oh, Matt, so I'm sorry. As a real quick digression, did you get my message? I tried to get a hold of you last night. Did you get my my text? Speaking of taking Super Sentai and sort of exporting it to other things, uh, our friend Bill, who we have mentioned on the show before, had a fantastic idea. What's that? You ready for this? So here's the idea. Uh... When the new Exalted game, when third edition Exalted comes out, if we're going to play out. If it. If it'll come out someday, I have faith. Um, although, if anybody who works on it is somehow listening, it has been like a year and a half, guys. Let's let's get on it. Uh, anyways, so when those rules come out, we should play a Super Sentai game on Wednesday nights using Exalted rules. That would be super fun. I yeah, know and um, you would run it. Our uh, our friend Sean, actually, um, who also listens to this show, is... I think he is running a Super Sentai uh, GURPS game. No kidding? Yeah. Well, that sounds fun. So anyways, back to the task at hand. Uh, so Shoji is trying to bump money off of Ryu. <laughs> Ryu is just like, dude... Uh, man, no. I'd really rather not. And then uh, a bill comes like fluttering down from the sky and she she dives for it, like knocking Ryu over. And uh, Ryu's like, what's going on? He's like, it's 10,000 yen. So it's like a $100 bill, I guess. And then he looks up and money is like raining down from the sky, Henry Sugar style. And uh, people are going crazy. And the, the guard, it's the guard who had stolen the money, is throwing this money off the bridge. Sorry, he's on a bridge above everybody else, and he's throwing the money off of it. And so everyone's just going crazy running around trying to pick it up, except for Ryu, because Ryu is at this point like a semi-responsible hero and is trying to figure out like what all the commotion is. Shoji, notes... on the other hand, is not only picking up money, not only shoving it in his pockets, he is stuffing money, which I, I just, <laughs> just want to remind mouth. you that money is like the filthiest thing around. He is just jamming <laughs> wads of paper money into his mouth. <laughs> like bank. Oh, my notes do say about, it says uh Shoji dives for bucks, Ryu is beyond such base desires. <laughs> That's what my notes say. Um And so, like, some bank officials run up, and they're like, what's going on? And Ryu's just like, I don't know, these people are going crazy for money. And they see Shoji, and they're like, hey, give that money back. And you see Shoji turn around, and you just see, like, the guilt in his eyes. It's half d- guilt and half just, com- like, total sadness. Like, <laughs> I was like, oh like, I really thought I was going to be able to pay my rent this month. <laughs> he does. He's got it, like, it's like, he's like a scarecrow. It's, like, jammed in his overalls. He's, like, <laughs> holding, like, fistfuls of cash. And as you said, just, like, crammed in his mouth. Um, so Shoji, so I guess, like, drops the money. We don't really see exactly what happens. But... Uh, Ryu and Shoji start chasing the guard. They are like running after him and then they sort of corner him in like a, sort of like a courtyard area. Yeah, it's like a sculpture garden slash courtyard little thing. Quick aside, you say sculpture a- garden. All of the statues in this sculpture garden are all like Easter Island statues.
1: Did you uh, notice that?
0: I- I did not, but that's really weird. And it's not the only time I've ever seen randomly placed Easter Island statues in a like early '90s Super Sentai show. I think they probably just bought like a gross of them at some point, and every time they need a statue, they're like, oh, um, just put some Easter Island statues out there. Like we're gonna break them anyway. No one's gonna notice. Maybe the prop guy is like, I do one thing. I do one statue. I do Easter Island. We that's only it. bought the one mold. It is expensive. <laughs> all right we do so grecian the- <laughs> columns and easter island statues and easter island so you know it's old <laughs> okay so they start fighting the guard Sorry. but the guard transforms and he's not just doing like a kabuki dance like his head transforms and he's got like crazy kabuki makeup and a big yeah. old wig on well they don't they don't do it immediately. they sort of leave you in suspense for a second like the guard is acting really weird and it's like, oh okay, like he is clearly like he's clearly a goma, and then yes, in fact, like he is but it's a really cool looking monster he's got as you said, like the crazy wig i actually um I really wish I knew more about Kabuki like i think it's kind i find it kind of like fascinating um but I don't actually know, like, a whole ton, like, about it. I find Kabuki fascinating in the same way that I find ballet fascinating. Which is, like, I appreciate the concept, but do not actually want to watch it. Oh, no. I would actually, like, like I don't want to watch it, like, right now. Because I don't, uh, like, I wouldn't get it. You know what I mean? But I would happily sit down with someone... And have them be like, oh, like, this is the deal with Kabuki and sort of like, here's what's going on. And like, here's the, you know, like, here's the deal with Kabuki. Uh, I just think it's, I don't know. It just seems really neat. Um, there is a, uh, a character from Shinkenger, which I'm bringing up again. Um, the blue ranger from Shinkenger is a Kabuki dancer or a Kabuki yeah, actor I that. rather. And he is like, his dad is a Kabuki actor. Because like, we watched the first episode. Again, oh, right. yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's just, like, really, really into it. It's, like, a big part of his life and his character. Well, um, I don't know if you know this, Matt, but, like, the... I found this out ages and ages ago, but Kabuki acting is very, very much like a... It's very much like a family business. Like, I, my understanding is that a lot of people... Or not a lot of people, rather... Are just like, I'm gonna go be a kabuki actor. Like, most people who are kabuki actors, or at least the really famous ones, I guess, are kabuki actors because they're like, the ancestors were kabuki actors in like the Edo period. Oh. And, uh, it is also, it is like Shakespearean style. Like, it's only dudes, is my understanding. Um, and so all female parts, like, all the parts are played by men. Okay. Cause I, uh, this was in high school, actually. I was, I thought this was, just, it stuck with me because I thought it was so cool. It was an article in like National Geographic or something, and it was, um, it was like the six like living national treasures. Like, you know how like we have national treasures like Nicolas Cage style, right? Are you saying that Nicolas Cage is a national treasure or are you talking about the Nicolas Cage movie National Treasure? I don't see why I can't be talking about both. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, okay, so like we have national treasures. Uh in Japan, they have designated like living national treasures. And they're like, this is a dude who knows how to do like this particular thing that's like really important to like Japanese culture. And one of them was this kabuki actor, and he is he like he's super famous because he only plays like female roles. And his family's been doing it since like 1700 or something crazy. Wow. So, anyways, uh, I think Kabuki is really neat and I would like to know more about it. So, if anybody who listens to the show is super into Kabuki and can enlighten me, that would be rad. Or, I guess, I mean, you could just look it up. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, speaking of Kabuki, Matt, Ryu shoots a fire blast at the Kabuki monster. Oh, okay, good. I'm I'm glad you remembered where we are, because I had a genuine moment where, like, we've been talking about Kabuki for a while, and I do not remember where we left off. Nah, it's Ryu and Shoji, and they're fighting the Kabuki monster, and uh, Shoji does, like, a fire blast, and—or, I'm sorry, Ryu does a fire blast, and then Shoji does, like, a—I don't know, like a flying kick thing. Fight, 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 fight. Fairly standard. But then, Matt, then— yeah, so Shoji does, like, this flying jump thing, and they knock the dude back, and they're about to keep fighting him, but from out of nowhere, this flying, glowing disc shoots out and almost hits the dire Rangers. They manage to jump out of the way and dodge, um, yeah. but then the disc boomerangs back to behind another Easter Island statue and is caught by the stereotypical, like, old Chinese man kung fu master from every, like, cheap Kung Fu movie from the seventies and eighties. Ever. Like, Ever. He's got the mustache, the super got, like, long the beard. Yeah. Silk robes, like the whole business. He's smoking <laughs> this long pipe and he's like, aha, like you are in good shape, Die Rangers. You've managed to dodge my, let's see, what does he call it? It is, I did not write it down. Um, it is his Dai Ren Ken or something. It's the flying desk. It's, it's this, weapon that he throws it's like a uh it's like a Xena warrior the princess style like chakram but like dine rangerified if that makes sense yeah it's got like a weird handle in the middle uh so yeah. he catches it. He's like ah but you should be better for some ambiguous reason and you He didn't dodge th- it fast enough and then, then he throws know. his pipe at them and then he disappears <laughs> <laughs> like, what, what was that <laughs> then he's just uh is he friend or foe we don't know yeah, so they look back over at the Kabuki dude, except he's no longer a Kabuki dude. Now he's just an unconscious dude. Yeah, so we're not exactly exactly sure what happened. Um, and the Rangers are equally confused, but the dude is fine. Like he's clearly not a Goma, actually. So we were misled. And so the scene cuts, and they show up back in the murder basement. And Shoji yeah. and Ryu are trying to explain the situation to the rest of the Dai Rangers and Takaku. Yeah, and uh, so they talk about the whole Kabuki thing. And they're like, it wasn't actually a goma, super weird. And then um, they talk about the guy, the Chinese guy. Yeah, they're like, also this totally random guy showed up, and he threw a knife, and he had a long beard. <laughs> oh, I forgot to mention this. He has this weird like tick where he like it's like, like a jerks head. his head to the side to crack his neck. Yeah, we don't. I don't know what the heck he's doing, but he it's he does it a lot. And so they said, oh, yeah. And he also did this weird thing with his neck. And at this point, Rin <laughs> this loses so it. She's like, wait, he did a... Wait, he did this neck thing? Aw, oh, man! And she just leaves. She just like, she runs. Doesn't... doesn't say anything. Just starts running. <laughs> Zero explanation on Rin's part. She, like, who... Dude, this is, like, a thing that she does, because she did this before um, with the Kaiden balls. Like, she had some information, and she's just like, nah, I'm out of here. And she just, like, runs to deal with it. Rin, just, like, be part of the team, man. Yeah, Rin is not really long on communication skills, as it turns out. (laughs) She is not. Um, Okay, so she just books it. And the rest of the rangers, like, left with basically no option, uh, follow her. So they're running and, uh, they follow Rin to what I guess is her apartment, like just her apartment building. And like she runs up and they follow her. And she just busts in the door. And there's the old guy. There's the guy. And Rin is like, Grandpa, what are you doing here? I mean, she <laughs> and then- doesn't use that voice because she's like a Japanese woman and I'm a, an American man, but. <laughs> But it's basically... I, I think we get the gist. Uh, and then things get really weird, because he's just like, this place is a mess. And he's, like, like going through her stuff. She, he's, like, wearing he, an apron and trying to clean, but just making things worse. Yeah, and he... um, Like, not to be indelicate, but he pulls out, like, part of her underclothing. Like, not off of her, obviously, but, like, out of a drawer. And he's just like, this is a mess. It's like, dude, that's... That's not appropriate behavior for a grandpa. Like, no. And the really weird thing is that he's not, okay, he's not her grandpa, but it's not, that's not just like an honorific term. Like, they are related. He's her, like, great uncle. Yeah, so I don't know why she wouldn't just say great uncle. Yeah, it's her, yeah, her grandfather's younger brother. So I don't know why a the show didn't just make him the grandfather, or b didn't just have her call him her great uncle. <laughs> like nothing is gained in either way. You know what? I real I was like I was confused. Just so I was like, why didn't they just call her great uncle? I did not think about the fact like why did they just actually make it her grandfather? Yeah, like um, they had the power to do that. This is not based <laughs> on a true story. <laughs> so so he's like sort of being weird uh oh and then we do find out as he goes to like open a closet that has like an enormous manga collection like it's huge yeah I'd say what a couple hundred volumes yeah something (laughs) but not like they're like like put away in a closet so I think that Rin has like some secret shame about it like she's clearly really into it but doesn't want to just have them out and they're not like neatly put away because as soon as he opens the closets like they're everywhere yeah, I don't know how she got them in there without having them all fall over, Because but... they do all fall <laughs> over. That's what happens. Like he opens yeah. the door and then he is covered in a pile of books. <laughs> so um so then uh Kaku shows up. Like they're like, What? This is crazy. Sorry, and then Kaku shows up and he's like, Die Rangers, this is what's the guy's name again? His name just... is It just says Grandpa in my notes. Yeah, I wrote it down. His name is Guhan, Guhan Sensei? Sure. Uh, But, okay, this is... Okay, so this is where I get really confused. Because the way that Kaku talks about... What was it? I'm just going to call him Grandpa. Yeah, let's just call him Grandpa. The way that Kaku talks about Grandpa, it makes it sound as though like Grandpa is his teacher. Like, Like, Kaku's like everything I know I learned from Grandpa. But... We have already, like, we have previously established that Kaku was at least—I I think he was around, like, the yeah, six thousand yeah, d- years during, ago, during like the great, like, Dai Tribe Goma War six thousand years ago. Or so that seems to be the case. So I think what he's saying is not that he is Kaku is not saying that he is Kaku's teacher. He's just saying that he is a teacher. Yeah, that's gotta be it. Uh, and what, I found that, what he like, actually is, is he is the Die Rangers Q. Like, he, yeah. he is the dude who invented the aura changers, and that weird, like, circle knife thing. Like, he made a bunch of those and brought them to be, like, new weapons for the Die Rangers, which they won't actually use in this episode. I think they use them in the next one, but they're that's well, going to be yeah. a thing they use going forward. I think we all kind of saw that coming. Um, so this does lead me to the question, is how did the rangers chain like how did the rangers become the rangers before this dude invented the aura changers you know i have no like, idea because we saw the flashbacks of the six thousand years ago dudes yeah. but they weren't transformed like they had oh, the tempo rai point. rai balls and were able to like harness chi that way and summon the kaiden beasts or theoretically they would have been able to if iron mask hadn't betrayed them but they weren't transformed, so it's possible that they just couldn't transform before uh, Grandpa had designed the Aura Changers. Wait a minute, wait a minute, Matt. Okay, I got it. Ready? Okay, go Ready? for it. Uh, okay, so, like, 6,000 years ago, if you were, like, a pure member of the Die tribe, you didn't need to transform. Like, you were just always, like, you were just, like, always on, right? Okay. But as the years have passed... Like, the blood has become diluted or whatever, and their ability to harness Kiryoku is a lot less, and so now they need the aura changers to, like, focus it. Okay, and that's why Rin, Rin is the only one who can focus her Kiryoku when she's not transformed, because yeah, she, she is a member of is the Dai tribe. closer to being a member of the Dai tribe than the other ones, because she's from China and not from Japan. Yes. Okay. Nice. Head cannon. High five. High five. Okay. Wait. That doesn't work. Actually. Well, because... no. We can't high five. We're on opposite ends of the city. But no. Just no, no, go no, with me here. That no, not that. Ryu is the child of Iron Mask. Who oh is yeah, a member of the original thing. Okay, that makes so no sense. So Ryu's then. blood is not diluted at all. But unless, maybe, maybe unless like Iron Mask is defecting. Enough. From the die tribe, like weakened, oh, weakened his, his connection to Kiri- no, Kirioku because, because he also got his connection to Yoryoku, And so maybe maybe it's like how Cable has to fight off the techno-organic virus with his uh, psychic power all the time. Ah, like, okay. he has both Ryokus in him, and so they're always fighting, and so it's not enough to make him be able to access the power without the Orange Ranger? Nice. Nice. Okay. Wow. Crisis averted. That was, uh, (laughs) I'm going to have to take a second to relax from those mental gymnastics. (laughs) That was, Matt, I'm going to go ahead and say that that was the nerdiest thing that we have done uh, on this podcast yet. Is that fair to say? Probably not, but it's in the running. Okay. Okay. So, 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 that crisis averted. The next question they have for Grandpa is like, what are you doing here? Like, hello, but what are you doing here? And he actually has come from China because he is chasing the Kabuki monster. Yeah. Who had been in China and was doing something over there that hasn't been explained. I would assume he was just doing, you know, like whatever it is that he's doing here in Japan, right? And so, the grandpa's like, hey, I'm here, I'm chasing this guy, Um here's what he does, he possesses people. Like, there is a Goma monster, but you weren't exactly fighting him, you were fighting a host that he had possessed. And so what you need to do is you need to fight this guy, and I want you to take him alive. Doesn't offer any explanation as to why he wants them to take the Goma monster alive, but he does. And Kaku yeah. tells them to basically do what he says. So, Kaku and the four male rangers all leave Rin's place, and Rin stays there with Grandpa. Yeah. So, he's sort of wandering around the house, and uh, he's, like, cooking dinner or something, and he's talking to Rin, and she's talking back, and uh, we don't exactly know what it is that she says. I'm sure it's clear if you're, like, a speaker of Japanese, but she says something that, I guess, makes her sound japanese yeah, the way that it seems is like she is using sort of like a casual Japanese vernacular and he is not happy about it. But yeah. then he accidentally does it and they have a laugh and whatever. <laughs> it's, it's a weird scene that doesn't make any sense if you don't understand the Japanese. I also, I appreciate that like old people being sort of casually racist is a thing everywhere. In all cultures. In all cultures, your grandpa's, like, a tiny bit racist, and you're just like, well, I guess that's just the way it is. So she asks about the knife, and he's like, oh, yeah, I made this for you guys. I made all sorts of things. They're in the bag. And he just points to this duffel bag. And she gets really excited from some of the things she pulls out, but they just turn out to be, like, kitchen tools that he made. (laughs) So the two things that he makes are magical weapons... And, like, food processors, basically. And he doesn't seem to be able to tell the difference. Because when we see him, he's, like, chopping garlic with, like, the chakram thing. Um, And then that scene sort of ends. Okay, one weird thing before the scene ends. Right at the very end, he pulls out a photograph oh, yeah. of a young woman who's, like, all dolled up in some sort of, like, theatrical makeup. And starts caressing it as though it is like a picture of his long lost love. Yeah. We zero explanation. We have no idea who this is. I'm sure we'll find out later, but as of right now, nothing. So, uh yeah, as you said, the scene cuts, and we see uh it's like in a park, I think.
1: It's like an outdoor amphitheater.
0: Yeah, that's there is a stage. And uh like a kabuki set sort of like teleports, like just appears out of nowhere. And then we see the actual form of, uh, kabuki kazu, which is the kabuki monster. And it, dude, it's just, it's a really cool costume. Yeah. It's sort of, okay. How to describe it? Imagine it's, sort of like a weird, like super deformed chibi, like just cartoon of a kabuki actor and then like make it a life-sized monster. And that's kind of what you got. Yeah, it's I it's dude. I, they're really upping their uh, upping their game on costume design here. I think the monsters are looking way cooler now than they did at the beginning. So Kabuki Boy is dancing around and putting on a show, and then we cut to see who is watching the show, and it is the three Goma Commanders. And they're uh, they're like, "Hey, Kabuki, it was, it was pretty cool," and. Um, and then they're like, now, just to be clear, you didn't forget the plan, right? And he's like, oh, no, no, no. Like... I got the plan. I totally get the plan. <laughs> the plan is, I'm going to jump around, I'm going to possess people, I'm going to bring society down, and the Dye rangers won't be able to do anything about it, because if they try to attack me, they're attacking, like, the innocent person that I'm possessing, so I'm going to sort of have free reign to, you know, ruin society with my antics, this it's actually a really good plan. This is by far the best plan that any of the coma have had. It's a great plan. It doesn't have any more purpose than the other plans, but it has better execution. Yeah, at least there's like uh yeah, no. I good point. Good point. Um Like they have a reason to assume that the die rangers are not just going to immediately hit them with a the giant glowing sword. <laughs> <laughs> Which at yes. this point has proven you know, to be a consistent problem for them. Yeah, um, and so they're like, all right, cool. And then he's like, all right, later, guys. And he like teleports away. And the scene cuts. And then we see uh, it's just like a street scene in um, Tokyo, I guess, wherever it is, whatever city they're in. And uh, there's like a construction worker who is working with a jackhammer. And Kabuki Boy is just like chilling out in the background. And nobody notices him. Like, he is invisible, apparently. Yeah, I mean, I feel like he has to be invisible because you would notice this guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you would. Uh, But they never explain. He's never like... Like, it would just... Guys, it would be so simple. Writers of Gosei Sentai Dairanger 20 years ago. Like, it would be so easy. Just have him say, like, it's a good thing that my, like, Gomachi, my Yurioku can hide me from their sight or something. It would take, like, less than a second. And it would explain why nobody notices him. Yeah. But they don't. I mean, okay. This is a show for little babies, like, ultimately. <laughs> and so, like, I guess it's... we are maybe not the And we are, audience. you know, overanalyzing this show 20 years later. So, I mean, I <laughs> get right. it. But, all right. That's, that's fair enough. Um, so, he goes and he, like, jumps on the construction worker's back and possesses him. And then then the dude just goes on a jackhammer rampage, which isn't, like, a super effective rampage. He just starts taking the jackhammer and, like, going at the wall of a store. I think it's actually the uh, the police station. It might be, because the policeman certainly runs out of that building. And he tries to stop the jackhammer dude, but then what happens is the Kabuki guy just jumps to the cop. And this is much more dangerous, because the cop has a gun instead of a jackhammer. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and he just starts like he's just shooting. He's shooting and running around and he sees a soba noodle salesman on a bike and he gets really excited about the idea of eating soba. so he goes and attacks him and then in a returning to a previous theme for this show, um the soba noodle salesman accidentally hits him in the crotch with his bike. yeah and that stuns the guy enough to knock the monster out of him. Which seems a little it's a little on the extreme. nose as far as weaknesses go yeah I, I agree uh, and then the Rangers just show up like I don't know where there's never again man there could be like a thing like we saw it on the die Ranger radar or something but they just show up they're just there and uh... well we've already established that Kaku has cameras all over town and can just show you oh, whatever yeah, else is happening point. in the episode. So maybe they're actually just starting to use their resources wisely. <laughs> Never. I mean, not their financial resources, but... Clearly. Uh, as illustrated by the fact that they keep lending money to Shoji. So anyway, so the rangers are there, and uh, they chase the Soba guy, and sadly, his noodles get dropped on the ground, because that Soba looked delicious looked real tasty. It did look like some tasty soba. So the soba guy is possessed, and they're chasing him all over the place, until finally the kabuki guy gets knocked out of the soba cellar as well, and they finally get to confront him face-to-face. So now the rangers get the explanation that we, the viewers, had already seen about what he's doing, how he's jumping around from people to people, he possesses them, etc. And then he runs away, and they start to try to chase after him. But they can't quite find him, so they all split up. Yeah. Now... We are back to our original two from the episode, Shoji and Ryu. And yeah. they come across a bunch of cops. And they think initially that the problem is the Kabuki monster, but it's not. It's just a bank robbery. Oh, right. It's a jewelry store robbery, right? And yeah. there's like a SWAT team outside. And there's a whole... Shoji? <laughs> sorry, sorry, go ahead. There's a whole crowd of people, and they're like, oh, What's happening? And these people are like, oh, there's a robbery at the jewelry store. They're shooting up the place. But they don't say it like they're worried. They say it like they're watching an action movie and they're really excited. Including Shoji. Shoji is really excited about it. He actually, he tries to break through the police line to like get a better view of the action. Yeah. And he like, dude, we, we have to go. Like, we need to find the Kabuki monster. And Shoji's like, oh, man, come on. Like, just a minute. Yeah, like, He has to, check to physically this out. restrain Shoji from, like, breaking into an active crime scene to watch a cop fight. Like, just, yeah. Like, he doesn't want to help. Like, I want to be really clear about that. Shoji is not like, dude, we should get out of the way and aura change and come back and help these officers of the law. He's just like, dude, I want to check this out. This looks crazy. And so, Ryu manages to get him away from the situation, uh, but only very briefly, because they see a manhole cover being lifted up from underneath, and they like, oh, what's that? Oh, it might be the robber! And of course, because this show is only 20 minutes long, it is the robber, clearly. clearly. Um, I don't know why they decided they needed to like include a weird robber subplot this late in the episode, but here you go. Yeah. Uh, so he gets out... So- and they're chasing him. They're chasing him and he's shooting at them because he has a gun. Uh, yeah. But apparently he trained at, like, the stormtrooper school of marksmanship because <laughs> he's shooting at that. them from, like, ten feet away and missing terribly. Uh. But he runs. Despite the fact that they're unarmed and he has a gun, Guy runs, they chase, the other rangers show up, and they chase him like... Like into an apartment building and like up the stairs, and then it's all five Rangers on the roof with the robber. Who is shooting a seemingly infinite amount of bullets out of that pistol. And also, dude, I we do get a key in on just how fast the aura changes, because you see him, and he like he the robber points the gun at them, pulls the trigger, you see the gun fire, and then the rangers are like you know, something, something, something. Aura changer. And then it changes, and then they get hit with the bullet. Also, turns out Rangers are bulletproof. Did not know that in the past. Good to know. Yeah. So the the point is the aura change happens super quickly. It it is literally faster than a speeding <laughs> bullet. <laughs> and so uh they obviously survived the bullet because we're only 12 episodes into the show, and that would be a weird thing to right. have happen. Um, and they start fighting the dude who then becomes possessed by the Kabuki monster. Yeah, I, I think we all could have, I think we all saw that coming. Yeah, that wasn't a huge twist. Um, but they're fighting this guy and they're trying to take him in alive, but A, he has like enhanced Goma strength and B, he's got a gun, which I guess also has enhanced Goma strength because it is doing serious business to them. Yeah, and he also has, um, he has like woodclapper nunchucks, which I thought was a really neat idea. And so they're trying to fight this dude, um, and it's not going well because they're holding back until Rin manages to get off like a whirlwind attack, blows him Uh from that rooftop to a different rooftop. They chase after him. Like a lower, there's like a crane there or something. Yeah, and so he, the Kabuki monster possessed dude like grabs onto the crane sort of hangs over the side of the building and says if you don't leave me alone i'm gonna jump and this robber is going to die like i'll be fine but the robber is totally gonna die so back off <laughs> and the rangers are like okay you know they're like okay we gotta stop. we're gonna go ahead so and they not hold do that because we don't want to murder a guy and then grandpa shows up like kind of out of nowhere no what he says is oh, the fall from this height won't kill Kabuki boy. It'll just hurt him, and then we can capture him. And they're like, yeah, no, that's not the point. The point is we don't want to murder the human being. And Granddad's like, ah, he'll be fine. And no, he just no, jumps he over. No, he doesn't think he'll be fine. He just doesn't care. Oh, that's like, like right. He never He's refutes like, it. He's just like, no, no, this is the plan. <laughs> and he just attacks the dude. And then uh it knocks him off like, the dang building. Yeah, like, fight, 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 and then the dude goes flying. Like, he falls from what's gotta be, like, 15, 20 stories up. the rangers just like, like, dude, Grandpa, what did you do? What the heck? And so they run down, they're sort of un-aura changed at this point. Ryu Uh goes to check on the guy. Guy's dead, like, Mondo dead. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i really like i genuinely expected them to run up and to be like oh good you know like he just he got the wind knocked out of him and now we could like capture kabuki boy i mean he did get the wind Ryu? knocked out of him and then also like <laughs> the life <laughs> the life <laughs> yeah man you just rolls up on this guy does like the emt like neck pulse check he's like nope that guy's dead. It's like Grandpa just straight killed that guy, and so then Gramps Who does not rolls seem up, at all. Yeah, he rolls up and he's like, "Oh, did you see which way Kabuki guy went?" And they were like, "No, we didn't. This man is dead. He's dead. One hundred percent dead. You killed this man." And Granddad's just like, "Oh man, Kabuki boy must have like jumped off his back as they were falling." And then just runs. Leaves. Like, does not wait. He's a just, just like, gotta catch Kabuki boy. Later. <laughs> the rangers are just standing there, like, like, kind of stunned. Like, they have they have no idea what to do. They're just standing there by then, themselves for a second. And then, if you may remember, there were, like, cops oh, yeah. right around the corner because there was a, a robbery in <laughs> progress. <laughs> and the cops just show up. And surround the Rangers, and like they don't pull their guns out, but it seems pretty clear that they're like about to. Yeah, it's like, hey, uh, so you are here with this guy, he dead, with this corpse. So obviously, you are all under arrest. <laughs> and then the then the episode ends. The That's end. it. <laughs> so yeah, as far as we know, the Rangers are about to get arrested for murder, murder most foul. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. So this so far has been Granddad's contribution to the effort. Uh, he interrupted a fight earlier that the, that Shoji and Ryu were winning. He brought a bunch of weapons that he has not given to the Die Rangers. He put a weird restriction on them to stop them from trying to kill the monster. And then he murders a human being and leaves them to take the fall for it. <laughs> And this is Rim's grandfather. grandfather. Yeah, this is, like, his his dear relative that he has, like, come from China to visit. And that's it, man. That's the... So, cliffhanger. Cliffhanger activated. There's no... We gotta wait till next week. Okay. So, um, Dave, what were your high points of the episode? <laughs> Sorry, I like how we say, like, you gotta wait till next week, as the show is not 21 years old and all on the internet anyways. Yeah, I mean, you could... <laughs> You could jump ahead, could. but that would be cheating. Then you wouldn't get to listen to us talk about it. Yeah, don't don't do that to yourselves. Don't rob yourself of that joy. <laughs> okay, high point. Um man, I don't know if this is a high point or low point, but uh granddad just straight murdering that dude. Like it was just so out of nowhere. Um Yeah. Yeah. It just nope, that guy's dead yeah so uh okay, so my high point was as is often my high point shoji uh shoji was a delight, uh just going completely mad and like trying to scramble up and basically eat money that he found on the ground <laughs> It was yeah. a nice insight into his character, i felt, yeah, I think that does tell us a lot of what we need to know about shoji, uh low points. Low points? I'll tell you mine. Well, I guess I kind of doubled up. High point, low point. Yeah. Mine, I I touched on it earlier. I don't know why they didn't just make that guy her grandfather. Like, it's just this weird moment where the writers of the show did something that does not make any sense to me. And usually when they yeah, don't just... make any sense, it's in like a fun, goofy way. And this is just in like a weird, like, I think you kind of screwed up the script way. Yeah, it just makes no sense at all. Okay, uh any final thoughts? Nah, man, that's kind of all I got. Okay, well then, uh, that's going to do it for another episode of Live and Let Die, Ranger. Before we finish up here, I'd just like to remind you all that you can email the show at brothers at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to talk to us on Twitter um, or get future updates for the show, we are at SuperSentaiBros. If you like the show, please, please, please remember that shining in the iTunes review sections, there are five stars. Um... And we want them stars. You should give us all of them. Mm-hmm. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. It is what helps people find the show, uh, which is great for everybody. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week.